Hello and welcome to YHTV's nominated show, Magical Medical Tour. This is episode 83. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Christina Suzuma, and with me is our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Good day to you, Dr. Woolman. And a very wonderful day to you, Christina, and to all of our guests. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to Magical Medical Tour. I'm Dr. Glenn Woolman. I will be your host along with Christina today as we travel through another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy searching for optimal health. I'm very excited today, Christina. We have a guest with us, Kabir Southwick, who is an Ayurvedic and naturopathic practitioner. When we're going to speak about the ancient uh, healing system of Ayurveda, mm. I've been waiting to do this for a long time. But before we do that, uh, in case anybody has questions or wants to get in touch with us for comments, how about telling them how to do that? Sounds great. Now, at any time during this live presentation, you can feel free to ask a question or make a comment simply by scrolling down on your screen and typing it into the comment box. Or if you prefer, you are very welcome to call into our conference line at 323-476-3997. And your ID is 607-393-POUND. And if that went by a little too fast, not to worry. Those numbers will show up on your screen during this live presentation. Thank you, Glenn. You're welcome, Christina. And speaking of thank yous, I wanted to take one moment to thank all of the people that voted for us and voted a number of times for us in our potential uh, quest for, uh, what is what is it called? The Podcast Award. It's the not Podcast Awards, that's right. The yeah. ninth annual Podcast Awards. I, I was trying to think of an Emmy or a Grammy or a potty or a... <laughs> It's not maybe, a potty, is it? Maybe one day they'll they'll have uh, one of those for these uh, online IPTV awards. That's what it'll be. It'll be a potty. A potty. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Anyway, thank you, everybody, for all of your votes. Uh, we're so appreciative of all that you did for us. And we hope to continue doing the good work that got us nominated. So today... We're going to be speaking with Kabir Southwick. He's a professional health consultant. He's an Ayurvedic and naturopathic practitioner. He's a whole foods nutritionist, an herbalist and formulator. He speaks publicly on natural self-care, and he's an author. So welcome, Kabir. Hello, Kabir. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for having me here today. Thank you for Kabir. honoring us in our community. <laughs> yeah, my definitely. <laughs> Kabir, usually as the medical guide, I like to tell our audience where we might be going today. So at first, we're going to start to learn a little bit about you and what got you interested in uh, all of the things you do and the journey you've come on to get to this point. And then we want to really get into Ayurveda a little bit so that people will have an understanding of it. And we'll talk about different parts of the practice, and maybe we'll cover a few of the other things that you do in your life and practice. How does that sound to you? Sounds good. Look forward to it. Excellent. So let's start right away with your history. What, what influenced you? When did it happen? What were the things that grabbed you to become a, a healer? Well, my uh, family was uh, involved with uh, Hatha Yoga. And I was uh, raised as a lacto-vegetarian and uh, was taught uh, Hatha Yoga and Pranayama 
at an early age by my parents and the time that they spent in uh, ashrams and yoga camps during my youth. And my mother was a uh, nutritionist, so she was teaching me about uh, combining amino acids and uh, digestion, using uh, foods as vitamins as like brewer's yeast, blackstrap molasses, cod liver oil, and these things I was taking as a child and had a great interest in uh, nutrition due to the influences of my mother. And uh, at an early age, I began studying uh, Western herbalism. I mean, in my teens, I was selling and mixing teas. Then uh, in 1982, I went to India uh, at the request of my mother, who had also spent some time in India because she worked for the United Nations. And uh, there I discovered the Indians were the true masters of uh, understanding diet, food, natural health care. So at that point, I uh, focused my studies on Ayurveda. That's a good uh, introduction. So now let's, let's talk about what is Ayurveda? <laughs> Well, that's a very uh, vast uh, subject. Um, Ayurveda, I believe, the most uh, ancient of all the healing sciences. It's believed that uh, even Chinese medicine was initially uh, influenced by movements of people from the Indian continent uh, over Tibet into uh, China. So Ayurveda can be traced back uh, up to 5,000 years ago, and much of the written text that is studied today is still two or 3,000 years old. So this is a uh, healing science that has uh, uh, not just the oldest science, but the, the one that has uh, endured the longest and con continues to uh, gain popularity. Initially, it was an oral tradition passed down from uh, teacher to student, and it was only in, uh, for after a couple thousand years was it written. Um, and of course, the roots mean uh, Ayu, life, and Veda, uh, knowledge. So it is, it is a much broader than just uh, healthcare. Ayurveda is, is a very uh, a broad category and by no means myself or any one person could say that they are a master of Ayurveda or practice uh, Ayurveda in that broad sense. Everyone is uh, specialized in a certain aspect of Ayurveda. Even Hatha Yoga, Pranayama are all considered aspects of Ayurveda. And Ayurveda is really the science of living life. So the areas that I studied, of course, are uh, a dietary, understanding a person's digestive system type or body type, property, and identifying the most suitable foods to, for that individual body type to improve their digestion. And second is uh, the mixing of uh, herbal powders or churnas. These are the areas that I, I specialized in. But of course, Ayurveda is even in the Healthcare realm is much broader. There's a panchakarma, uh, which is another 
uh, uh, section of Ayurveda in itself, of de complete detoxification that includes the uh, oil therapy, and, uh, purge, and other types of uh, therapies that are that are done. This is not an area that I specialized in. I specialize in dietary um, guidelines, particularly the digestive system, and uh, a mixing herbal uh, churnas or herbal powdered formulas. Ayurveda likes to use uh, powders um, over teas. So I have, I provide both Western teas and uh, Ayurvedic powders to, to my clients. Kabir, what do you think it was that uh, gave such insight to the continent in India in terms of health at, at that point in time? Well, I believe in, Ayurveda comes from southern India and the state of Kerala, and this is a jungle area, quite dense. And uh, they have a wide variety of plants, herbs, and bark that you wouldn't find, say, in a, in a desert environment or a, a forest. So they, they were blessed with this very uh, dense source to work from. And over thousands of years, through trial and error, and through observation of animals, apparently, they learned the effects of uh, herbs and food and spices, which for Ayurveda is all one and the same. It's only here in the West where we differentiate between herbs and food. We see them as separate, but in Ayurveda, they're not really separate. Uh, so this is how Ayurveda accumulated, or let's say the early practitioners accumulated this knowledge over generations and generations and, and, and passed it down. So I believe that the knowledge of herbs and even the Knowledge of foods um, is one of the greatest achievements of, of humankind because it has taken thousands of years to determine the effects and actions and properties of millions of parts of plants, the bark, the stem, the leaves, the roots, the flowers, the seeds, and how they affect uh, the human being physically, mentally, emotionally. Seems pretty interesting and complex. When, when an Ayurvedic practitioner sees a patient, what, what's the process at that point? In Western medicine, we sit down with a patient, we take a history, we do a physical examination, we order laboratory tests and visual imaging studies what does uh, what would one expect if you if we went to see an Ayurvedic practitioner for a health problem? Well, the, in Ayurveda, the um, it is the interpreting of the body, uh, interpreting the skin, the texture of the skin, the uh, dryness, the moisture of the skin, any markings on the skin, the face, the tongue is very important for understanding the intestinal tract, the reading of the tongue, uh, the lips, the, uh, the nails, and of course, uh, the pulse. Uh, from the pulse, uh, almost all ailments or imbalances can be detected. So it's really the art of interpreting, uh, reading the signs, 
that the body has and is, is displaying that are, are there for everyone to see. It's just the, having the ability to interpret it and translate this into uh, a type of knowledge that allows the Ayurvedic practitioner to see imbalances. It always interests me, uh, the similarities in uh, traditional Asian medicine and Ayurvedic in terms of pulse and tongue diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And I always, I always find it interesting and think about in Western medicine, the thing we do most with the tongue is put a tongue blade over it so we could look around it and past it. And very rarely do we use the tongue for our own diagnostic purposes unless somebody comes in with a problem because of the tongue. When you, uh, when you uh, are seeing someone, how long does it take for you to see them on a normal visit, a first time? Well, it depends on how much information I have in advance. If I have advanced information and they've completed a health intake form and I've had an opportunity to speak to them on the phone, I could be quite prepared when they come. Uh, already have pre-made herbal formulas and prepared. Uh, uh, but And then I could work with them quite quickly in less than an hour. However, if I haven't had a previous contact or a communication or much information, which of course is quite common, people are often reluctant to complete a lot of paperwork in advance, and uh, then it can take uh, longer, uh, hour and a half, even up to two hours. Some people are, I wouldn't say complex, but they're more difficult to read, or we have diff, uh, conflicting uh, uh, signals and information that doesn't leave me clear on the imbalances in the person's body and my what my priorities would be. What would your priorities be at that point? Well, generally, you're, especially most of if my, you're not clear. Well, most of my priorities are quite simple. If people come to me with almost any type of acute or chronic condition, whether it would have been uh, uh, weight issues or anxiety or even a tumor or growth, generally I start with the, what I call the preliminary necessities of health. And this is uh, proper bowel movements. It's very important in Ayurveda that uh, there are proper bowel movements. Most people, of course, believe their bowel movements are normal. Uh, you ask many people, how are your bowel movements? And they say, normal. <laughs> normal mm -hmm. for me. Uh, but in fact, uh, most people are not having uh, healthy uh, bowel movements, uh, a healthy elimination, which of course is reflective of uh, incomplete uh, digestion. And with incomplete digestion, we won't have uh, sufficient absorption of nutrients, then, of course, we won't have a vitality and health, which can result in a chronic degenerative condition or even just fatigue or nutritional deficiencies. So generally, starting with these uh, basics is very, very important. And people are often surprised because they come to me with very serious health conditions. And uh, I'm focusing on their bowel movements, uh, their sleep, uh, maybe even helping to reduce the stress during the day. Uh, trying to improve eating habits, moving them away from snacking and irregular eating into whole meals, um, trying to improve their sleeping habits to be more consistent, uh, either getting up earlier in the morning or sleeping a little bit more or 
not staying up as late, not eating at night. These are all lifestyle habits that uh, create havoc uh, for the uh, body that needs to remain in harmony and is in its own circadian cycles. And by eating irregular, sleeping irregular, um, this uh, affects the body's own ability to uh, detoxify itself during the evenings and digest properly uh, during the day. So generally, I focus on uh, digestion, elimination, sleep, uh, lifestyle habits, eating habits first. And, and uh, what I say, I kind of clean it up, clean up the situation first. So I have the person uh, sleeping good and pooping good, and then we can uh, move, move forward. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems uh, pretty good. We talk about that in, uh, in what we do with our six uh, you know, areas of life for life balance, six categories, and certainly you've covered a number of those. <laughs> when in Western medicine, somebody comes to us with a sore throat, uh, and we give, if it's an appropriate uh, diagnosis, bacterial, we'll give them an antibiotic for a certain amount of time. And sometimes we don't follow up with them if we assume that they get better. Otherwise, they'll come and see us. In your practice, do you follow up with people once you give them an herb? When's the next time you see them? Yeah, well, of course, in this manner of uh, uh, self-care, because really it's the person caring for themselves. I'm only the guide to understand their body, their health condition, their imbalances, and helping them prioritize what needs to be worked on first. But it's the individual themselves that has to make the lifestyle changes, uh, improve the diet, and take the herbs and drink the tea, not myself. So, of course, I, I'm very concerned that the, the person is following these guidelines, and I encourage them. And uh, we're moving from step to step, you know, working on some of these uh, preliminary health concerns that I mentioned, and then moving forward step at a time. Uh, and they're, then they're seeing their health improve in other ways. Often when I work with a client, they, uh, they come with a particular ailment or disease or imbalance, but after I've improved their digestion, improved their eating habits, improved their elimination, improved their diet, um, that, that what they came to me for, whether it was headache or um, uh, menopause symptoms, have already uh, fallen to the wayside before that I've actually got around to addressing them directly. So generally, I address the health holistically knowing that ultimately the body wants to heal itself, that the body is always working for its own best interest. And if I can help the person or the body to have what it needs, what it's lacking, often what it's craving, cravings are often a sign of deficiency. And if they can be interpreted and understood, uh, then the uh, person can uh, uh, supply the body, on, we could say on a uh, nutritional level, but more than that, uh, what it needs, and then secondly, help the body to rid what it doesn't need. Of course, congestion, toxicity, phlegm, excess mucus, sometimes excess uh, stomach acids. Um, and uh, so then when the body has what it needs and it's, it's helped to eliminate what it doesn't need, many health conditions improve before I ever 
come around to having to address them directly. And that's usually my, my first approach is to help the body as much as I can over a period of time. And this could be uh, uh, anywhere from a couple of weeks to a few months. Um, and then if, if the initial health condition still remains, or then we will continue to focus on that. And of course, some things like weight will always uh, take time. Any type of uh, cysts or fibroid or tumor, this will also uh, take time and will need to be addressed individually. But many issues will improve by themselves uh, because uh, the body will uh, heal itself. And many of the conditions that people see as diseases are, are only the tip of the iceberg or a symptom to a deeper imbalance, which is what Ayurveda is looking for and working on. I know that, I know that you, as a practitioner, are always looking for the root cause analysis. <clears throat> and in Western medicine, we're always looking for that too. And our way of looking for that is usually through a microscope or testing cellular levels of, of things or testing levels, say, of a vitamin or different parts of the body's chemistry. How does an Ayurvedic practitioner look for a root cause? And is it the same kind of thing that Western medicine is looking for? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not so sure whether Western medicine really does look for the root causes. You, you, I would know better than myself. Uh, being that I've never been to a Western doctor except for my my friendship with you and other medical practitioners, <laughs> uh, but Ayurveda is is looking at deep what we could call imbalances. So, for example, you may have a person who has anxiety, and the Western uh, doctor may look for certain deficiencies, but in Ayurveda they can see at a a, a deeper overall imbalance in, in the person that uh, can be reflective in being underweight, having dry skin, um, having uh, a, a jumpiness, a lack of calmness, um, and maybe even short in uh, fat and oil and, and, a, and, a too, and a hectic lifestyle, which are all still evident of this deeper imbalance of, uh, of dryness overactivity, overstimulation. Um, and this can be seen in the body, particularly of the thin, underweight, uh, restless, and overly active uh, person, both mentally and physically. So this imbalance could be identified even on the telephone. And this particular imbalance, would, in Ayurvedic terms, would be a, a vata imbalance, which means air, which is things are moving too quickly, too active. This type of person with this imbalance, they may be calling about anxiety, but it's for sure that they will have difficulties sleeping. They will have there will be a lot of excess thinking, and they'll also have uh, a, a dry skin and often constipation. So once the the root imbalance is seen, then there's other symptoms or signs that um, are a result. And by asking the person. Do you also have this symptom? And they go, yes. And uh, do you also have this? And they go, yes. How did you know? Because <laughs> now you're looking at the deeper imbalance. Now that I know I'm seeing the deeper imbalance here because I'm telling them other symptoms that they have before they tell me. So now I can feel that I, have, I understand this imbalance. 
You mentioned vata, and I know that this comes in with the body types that the Ayurvedic practitioners look at. Would you explain to our viewers and maybe even spell out each of the words so that if they wanted to look these things up, they could do that. Would you explain the body types and how that influences your diagnosis and treatment? Well, this is a, an aspect of uh, healthcare of Ayurveda. Uh, it's called the, the, we could say, the theory of the three doshas. The doshas are the three body types, or we could say your constitution, the constitution type. And the three main par- types are vata, uh, pitta, and the kapha. And uh, there are subcategories. There's actually nine different categories as well. There's uh, uh, would, besides Kabir, three, would, you, would you spell those, please? Oh, V-A-T-A, vata, which means air, movement. And then uh, uh, pitta, P-I-T-T-A, which is fire and uh, transformation. Um, and then kapha, K-A-P-H-A, which means uh, earth and water, and which means uh, cohesion and, 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 and forming uh, and growth. So it's easiest to think of the uh, three overall body types. And in Ayurveda, there's no one-size-fits-all. And this is what I noticed when I first went to India in 1982 after studying traditional uh, um, nutritional sciences in the West after the influence of my mother is that in Ayurveda, they don't have a one-size-fits-all. They don't say that a person should have this or another or, or this is good or this is bad. Truly, they follow the, the principle of one man's food can be another man's poison, the Hippocrates a quote. Um, and this is very, very important to Ayurveda to understand the person's fundamental dosha or body type or body constitution type initially. So instead of looking at the complex subcategories, we'll just focus on the three main ones, the vata, pitta, and kapha. So, and you can imagine this type of person in your life. So try to imagine this person, and I'll describe these in their, in their dominant sense. Now, many people, of course, instead of just a vata, they could be a vata kapha, they could be a vata pitta, and of course, they could have been born a vata, and now they could have an imbalance and have excess weight and be a vata kapha. So there's variations. But the three main ones, the vata pitta kapha, are as such. The vata is the thin um, uh, person, thin even in el- older age. They don't put on weight very easily. They tend to have a dry skin. They tend to have a lot of uh, anxiety or activity. They, they get up early in the morning, clean the whole house, do a lot of errands, got a lot of energy in the morning. Then they become a little tired in the afternoon, often have difficulty sleeping. They're restless, think a lot, um, and, uh, uh, and tend towards constipation and have a very sensitive digestive system where they'll say many things will give them gas and bloating in particular uh, in the colon area. So you can imagine this uh, uh, a skinny, active person that's very busy and thinking a lot. I think we all have this type of person in our life, and we know them. They're, they're out there. Uh, we call them vata, <laughs> vata types. Uh, now, the second type is the uh, pitta. Pitta is a, uh, uh, the Greeks would call the mesomorph. They're more muscular. 
They're stronger. They're often still thin, but they're not skinny. They're, they're more upper body strength, stronger, stronger features. But the main distinct uh, quality of the Pitta type person is their warmer body temperature. They're hotter, they're warmer, they're wearing tank tops while other people are wearing jackets. They, you know, children will throw their uh, blankets off and not want to wear jackets despite their parents continually being concerned about them because they are, their body temperature is literally warmer than other people and they are running warm. And so this is their distinct feature. Uh, they also are very driven people, very motivated people, very intense people, uh, and they have their digestive problems are usually more to do with the stomach, too much stomach acids, heartburn, acid reflex, indigestion, or sometimes a high, high blood pressure. So there's all certain imbalances that are inherent in each of the different types. The third type is the kapha body type. The kapha body type is the one that puts on a weight most. It's just the, the stocky person or the voluptuous uh, uh, shaped woman or often the, the people we see with weight issues who are uh, very overweight are kapha types. Um, and so in Ayurveda, we wouldn't call a person overweight. We would ha say they have a kapha imbalance. And this would uh, is, is a way of basically saying they have too much weight, too much growth. So... Um, and this person tends to be clammy and cool and calm and slow, and their problems generally are, are imbalances are generally related to uh, overeating, being too sedentary, not being active enough, uh, and leads often to a diabetes, uh, blood sugar issues, uh, cholesterol, obesity. And this is the, the, the path that they can go uh, when they're extremely imbalanced. So once you have this grip on what type of body that you're dealing with, it's like a mechanic knowing what kind of car he's working on. If uh, somebody calls about their car and says their air conditioner isn't working, well, the first thing the mechanic wants to know is what kind of car do you have? And if you say, oh, I have a Camry, and he may say, oh, those Camrys, they always have trouble with the air conditioner. Well, this is the way the Ayurvedic practitioner is working. He's knowing the body type. Once he knows the body type, he's saying, oh, I bet you have trouble sleeping. Oh, I bet you have a little anxiety. I bet you think a lot at night. And the person goes, yeah, how'd you know? Um, that's because we now know the, 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 the body type. So it's like the mechanic knowing the common problems with that particular model car. Um, it, it gives him a great advantage. Um, if you had three people in the room, you cooking, say you have three women in the room cooking, the one running around doing most of the work, the busybody, that would be the vata. The one who is uh, <laughs> uh, maybe being uh, more bossy and dominant uh, would be the uh, pitta. And the one sitting at the table slowly cutting the potatoes, talking a lot, um, but not working as much would be the uh, kapha. So you can see these people in your life and for an Ayurvedic practitioner, Generally, we can identify this type of body type even before they come just through the conversation. And this allows us to uh, know their imbalances um, without them having to tell us. And it uh, allows us to prepare the diet that's going to be most suitable for that person's digestive system type. Mm -hmm. Because actually, 
the dosha, um, well, what you're born with is called the prakriti. You're, you have one that you're born with, and then you have one that you are now, the vikriti. So mm. you could have been born skinny, but now if you're overweight, then you, you have a, a kapha imbalance. But you are still that skinny person deep inside. So if I know a person was born a vata, but now they're 30 pounds overweight, I can be sure that I'll be successful to bring them back to the, uh, their natural state. But if I have a person who was always overweight, always struggling with weight, even in the youth, even in their teenage years, they had extra weight, then I can know that they're never going to be a skinny person. At best, we're going to bring them down to a healthy weight. Um, so it also gives me a frame of reference to know where we can go. Um, what is the person's natural state? Um, as well as what their imbalances are. And for digestion, this is essential. And this is a big mistake that uh, modern nutritional science makes with their one-size-fits-all approach. I'll give you a very good example. We know that uh, cayenne and uh, chili and uh, uh, pungent vegetables, we could say, are helpful in the stimulating a fat metabolism in the body, stimulating circulation in the heart, and helping with uh, weight loss. But if you have a person who's a, uh, a pitta, who has a warmer body temperature, gets acid reflux and heartburn, they're not going to, if you told them to have chili pepper to lose weight, they're going to uh, tell you there's no way I'm going to have chili pepper. Every time I have chili pepper, I get heartburn and acid reflux. But as an Ayurvedic practitioner, we would say, well, I'm not going to have you do chili pepper because that would obviously give you heartburn and acid reflux. And they go, that's right. Um, same for, say, fighting a fungal infection or yeast infection. We know that uh, garlic is uh, very effective. But if you have this pitta-type person who uh, you would, without even asking them, you would not tell him to be having garlic and raw garlic all day, even if he had a fungal infection, because this would only aggravate his uh, tendency. Doesn't mean he has it, but he knows that he has a tendency to get acid reflux and heartburn and more than likely does not like garlic, onions, and spicy food. So um, once you know their body type, then the whole diet becomes clear. Uh, the, uh, any herbal formulas that I prepare are adjusted for that individual. This is why many of my clients have met each other in the streets and uh, to their astonishment found out that they had the, uh, a completely different diet. Uh, they both, I've had clients who were overweight, and they both lost uh, 30, 40 pounds. And then they met each other on the street and they compared notes. And they found out that uh, they thought their diet was the perfect weight loss diet because it worked so well for them. But when they okay. met their friend, they realized that I gave them completely different foods and a completely different routine. And that person lost weight. So both people were very surprised. And I've had this happen many times where people approach me or when they met my other clients and asked me, how come you told that person to have apple cider vinegar, but you told me to have lemon juice? And I go, well, I wouldn't tell you to have apple cider vinegar, no matter how healthy it is, because vinegar is very acidic. You have strong stomach acids, and you have tendency towards heartburn and acid reflux, and you do not like vinegar, I believe. And I go, that's right. So that's <laughs> why I didn't even mention it, because I knew you. I didn't have to say can you take apple cider vinegar? I just said, no, you have lime with your water. Don't use apple cider vinegar. So this is uh, due to the knowledge that you have of that particular body. 
uh, type. Now, can, can can I be a hybrid? <laughs> <laughs> yes. In fact, most people are not all clearly in those categories. Most people fall in subcategories, like I mentioned, uh, 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 vata pitta, vata kapha, kapha pitta, kapha vata. Mm. Uh, uh, these are subcategories, and there's even a tridoshic. And of course, Ayurveda takes in more considerations than just your body type. It's, it's very sophisticated. It also takes in your current health condition and your current state. There's what's your natural state, your prakriti and prakriti, and then there is your current state. And then also the consideration is, your, uh, is the weather, the seasons. Ayurveda is very much geared to the seasons. So if you have, uh, for example, a cold person, a vata person who has cold hands and feet, they're getting very cold, they're getting very dry, they have dry skin, they have dry stools. Um, and they're, um, So during the winter time, we would tell them, you must follow your vata diet very carefully or your vata pacifying diet and have all warm foods, all cooked foods uh, to, to balance out the environmental effects of the winter, because the vata person is cold and dry, and the winter is also cold and dry. So this is not a good time for the vata person. So they they need to make more effort to find balance, and uh, in this to balance coldness, of course, they would have more warm and cooked and heating and pungent foods, and to um, uh, counterbalance dryness, they would have more liquid, moist uh, soup type of meals and avoid dried fruit, dried crackers, dried rice crackers, dried uh, uh, substances, which would only further uh, uh, increase their imbalance of dryness. I want to talk about medications for a minute and herbs and compare in Western medicine and in Ayurvedic medicine. Uh, you obviously do not use Western medications and you supplement that or you change that for herbs and teas and powders and different foods, natural foods. Uh, when a person has a chronic disease, say hypertension, they're probably going to be on a medication for the rest of their life unless there's a specific reason for the hypertension or high blood pressure. Uh, is the same thing with Ayurvedic medicine? If somebody is a chronic hypertensive person and they don't want to take Western medicine, you may put them on an herb. Will they be on that herb for a short amount of time or for the rest of their life possibly also? Um, yeah, there's many people who do require long-term uh, consumption of the herbs to keep themselves balanced for the rest of their lives. But of course, these are just plants, leaves, stems, barks, and there's no problem. Just think of a simple issue like a sleep. Uh, those who have uh, insomnia, of course, there's different levels of uh, not being able to get to sleep, not being able to stay asleep, or not deep sleeping deeply. There's different types of insomnia in Ayurvedic terms. Um, and the herbs can help uh, either in those three areas to help to uh, relax the person, to allow them to stop thinking, um, and or they can be taking... Uh, sedatives to help actually get them to sleep, and then they can be taking some herbs to help uh, keep them asleep. And these can generally be used uh, for long periods of time. There's some uh, purgatives and laxative herbs that are not recommended, 
uh, long periods of time, but uh, they still are often better than uh, not having uh, a bowel movements. So many people have, I've, I've been drinking certain teas for uh, 30 years and haven't stopped. Um, you know, I have an energy tea every single morning instead of a cup of coffee to get me going. And uh, this has a, a, a ginseng in it and, um, and ginkgo and other stimulating herbs to get my brain going and get my heart pumping and get me moving in the morning without having to resort to uh, coffee or caffeinated products. And uh, there's no harm in these. These are these are a balance. You know, a herb can only kind of push you in a certain direction. It, it can help you become a little sleepy. It can help a certain system in your body. Um, but uh, very few of them are not recommended for long-term use. Okay. Uh, when, when we have a medication in this country, the two things that we usually know about a medication are, one, that it's relatively pure, unless something gets contaminated in a batch, but it's relatively pure, and also we know a dosage. There's been, uh, the FDA has talked about certain herbs and drugs coming out of India and China that were heavy in uh, heavy metals, uh, mercuries and leads and arsenics, number of things. How do you, in your practice, and how do other Ayurvedic practitioners in this country uh, look for purity and in dosages for your clients and patients? Well, quality is the name of the game with uh, uh, herbalism. And this is why many people don't have the results that uh, they should with herbal formulas because the quality was too poor. Most of the herbs that you buy in the supermarket or department store or often in the health food store have been on the shelf too long. Um, they are not of the highest quality, and uh, this will not produce often the desired effect. Um, and of course, the source is, is critical. And a lot of the Ayurvedic herbs now that particularly pr practitioners in the United States are purchasing are from the United States. Um, and because of the concerns of uh, sourcing these products overseas. Particularly, China has been a, a great concern for many years and uh, to some de a lesser degree, uh, India. Uh, but now these uh, channels of uh, suppliers in the United States and the rest of the world include are that have been certified as organic and uh, not using uh, pesticides and have been tested. These channels have already been well-established in the last 10 or 15 years. 20 years ago, it was very difficult. And many of the herbs I had shipped directly from India. Not so today. Many of these can be found uh, through suppliers in the United States that have been uh, tested them, or uh, many of the herbs are now being grown even in the United States where quality can be uh, assured. So it's not the same issue that it once was. As far as uh, qu quantity, um, each person must uh, work with the quantity. I, I, I believe many people have a, an allopathic approach sometimes to taking herbs where they're just taking it to solve a particular symptom, but also they tend to want to take just a, a pill or a capsule or uh, one cup of tea 
and expect to have the same results, when in fact, uh, they often have to increase the quantity. For a cardiovascular condition with somebody who need to thin out their blood, uh, they may have to drink four or five cups of tea a day to keep their blood thin throughout the day. Um, and uh, one cup of tea will not do it. And with many of the herbal powders for to sleep or to have a bowel movement in the morning or to reduce anxiety, so one person may need uh, a half a teaspoon. Well, another person may need uh, two or three teaspoons. So most of the time, the, the client is, is slowly increasing the quantity and adjusting the quantity to fit them. But of course, uh, I always try to make an adjustment in that individual. If you have a person with lower body weight, they're obviously going to need less quantity. Some people are very sensitive and uh, they may need uh, less. And other people with a more body weight and uh, more dense type of body may need larger doses. So this is all adjusted, again, based on uh, many factors. When you, uh, one of the things that I see and hear and frustrates me often is people are always talking to each other and, and somebody hears about, oh, the chamomile tea is good for calming your stomach. So they go out and buy some chamomile tea or they hear that this herb is good for this particular problem and they'll go to a store and pick some up. They may talk to the, the person at the counter and say, which is your best of this or that. What's your advice to people that, uh, I guess in a way this is self-treating, What's your advice to people like that? Well, you know, a person can always, you know, learn in that manner. I mean, as a youth in my teens, I was always taking herbs to, to see the effects. And I, I still will take herbs sometime in, in large quantities to understand and experience the effects. Um, but if you have a con health condition that you're concerned about, particularly a, a serious life-threatening health condition, then uh, you really need to work with somebody who can formulate these herbs for you. There's many misunderstandings about uh, herbal remedies. One, uh, like you mentioned, people say, well, chamomile is good for uh, relaxing the intestinal tract or helping you sleep. But in fact, no herbalist really gives out a single herb. They're never really uh, prescribed uh, in in the in a single manner. Like we have people here in this country who are taking turmeric in capsule form. This would, this would be hilarious in, in India that anybody would be taking a turmeric uh, in a capsule form for uh, inflammation or other type of condition that we know turmeric can be helpful for. They're always um, in, in a formula and often with a multiple uh, herbs and uh, and not only are they in a formula that the the vehicle in which they're taken is important. Uh, many herbs for the liver, for example, are taken with ghee or honey because we want to reach uh, the um, fatty cells of the liver. Uh, many herbs that are for uh, the pancreas or uh, blood sugar stabilization are actually taken with honey because they want to. Mm -hmm stimulate the pancreas and uh, have some insulin released so this herb is pushed into the tissue um, and absorbed as sugar along with the sugar 
of of the um, of the herb. So, um, and then other herbs say for somebody who is um, um, has uh, acid reflux or heartburn, um, they uh, they may take their herbs in aloe vera. It's very common that pitta type. So. For some herbs, it could be, say, I want to fight a fungal infection or a bacterial infection. Well, the herbs are very strong, you know, the organ, grape, root, barberry, uh, Paul de Arco. But if I prepare them and have the person take them in uh, aloe vera, then this will balance out these effects. And, of course, aloe vera is actually antifungal and antibacterial as well. So um, it would... Uh, uh, still support the the cause, the the action, but it would balance out the uh, irritating effects that these herbs could have on the person's intestinal tract. So it's not just the herb, but it's the formulation, and then the formulation needs to be adjusted for the person. Uh, for a certain person, uh, you could add uh, carminative herbs in there, like cumin, coriander, dill. Uh, for certain individuals who are heavy, overweight, poor circulation, you could add in other uh, stimulating herbs such as uh, black pepper, mustard seed, cayenne, which would further uh, be stimulating uh, for that individual. And then the vehicle in which they, they are taken in, whether it's in tea, whether it's in powder form, whether it's in aloe vera, whether it's in honey, or whether it's mixed in oil, this will then direct it to the certain part of the body, certain system, certain organ. Uh, so it's not as simple as just taking uh, chamomile. Clearly. And in this, this brings up the next question. How does one find an herbalist or an Ayurvedic practitioner, and how does one determine whether or not uh, that should be the one that they go to? Well, I don't know if I could answer that, but you you need to find there herbalists are everywhere, and you really have different schools. You have a Western herbalism, which is you know influenced by the traditions here in North America and Europe, and this is a Western herbs. Uh, generally, if you know three or four hundred uh, Western herbs, you can be a quite a good Western herbalist, and they are quite common throughout the the country. Of course, the Native Americans also have contributed greatly to Western herbalism. And there's very, there's many good Native American herbalists in this country as well. And uh, there are a few around the country that I've communicated with, and uh, we exchange uh, formulas. And this is what uh, herbalists are looking for, is other herbalist formulas and which ones have produced the good results for them. So you really want to choose which school you want to follow uh, the Western herbalism is probably the most simplest, and it's the newest. It's only been around, a, you know, a thousand years or so from the, you know, Greeks and the <laughs> Romans. Uh, but, uh, and then there's Chinese. Uh, uh, Chinese uh, is quite uh, broad as well, like Ayurveda and intricate and takes more years to understand. I never studied uh, traditional Chinese medicine. I use some Chinese herbs that I really like, like astragalus and, uh, of course, ginseng and... Uh, Shizander berry and, and other ones that you know I particularly uh, like and I don't find uh, similar herbs in Western or Ayurvedic uh, medicine. Uh, and then there's um, Ayurvedic medicine. I think Ayurveda uh, approach is more individualized than um, the other 
systems. They, they adjust more for the differences in the individual. And that's what really gives them the strength. And that's what many of my clients say. They say, well, I went to this other herbalist and, it, it, and, uh, and as soon as I took the herbs, you know, I, I got my constipation became worse. Uh, and then when I take your herbs for the heart condition, uh, my constipation got uh, better. Well, that's because I added herbs in there to help to move the bowels, even though you came to me looking for herbs to lower uh, uh, blood pressure. Um, but I knew you were constipated, so I added these herbs in to, to, as a secondary action uh, to uh, help with that condition being so important. And then I also add in a carminative herbs to help with the digestion, uh, which I mentioned earlier. So there's different layers of an herbal formula. The first action, the second action, and maybe some digestive herbs as well that need to be adjusted for that individual. So I think Ayurveda is, uh, in, in its strength is its ability to adjust for the different uh, types, different body types. Not to say that Chinese medicine doesn't do it as well. Uh, but it's to a, a different degree in a different manner and not quite as refined as Ayurveda. Chinese medicine, of course, is, is in some sense more broad. There's acupuncture, which is in, in um, Ayurveda. And also uh, Chinese medicine will use different animal parts, um, chicken feet and, uh, and uh, blood and other aspects that Ayurveda doesn't, doesn't use. So you want to really pick the school that you feel most comfortable with. Western medicine, simpler, easier to understand. Um, Chinese medicine, maybe if you have a good Chinese herbalist in your area who's uh, been practicing for 20, 30 years, then this may be your best bet. Or an Ayurvedic one, if you feel that you, your individual uh, needs are very important uh, and you've had trouble with other uh, herbalists who just uh, uh, gave the an herb to you that didn't uh, work for you individually, you may want to uh, look for an Ayurvedic practitioner. And you could go online and look for them. There's, there's many associations and, and groups and, and lists. They, they, they exist. Kabir, in, in Western medicine, we're always looking and testing and uh, doing studies double-blind. You know, you hear of all the placebo-controlled cross-analysis. Uh, and we're always looking for things that we practiced 2,000 years ago, and then we change things. An example would be uh, we always thought that ulcers were due to people that were stressed out. So you're stressed, so let's give you an anti-anxiety medication, and that'll improve your ulcer. Then we found that it was a bacteria that was actually causing the ulcers. Does Ayurvedic medicine do any testing on itself? And is there any change in Ayurvedic practices uh, from 5,000 years ago to today? No, Ayurveda is really unchanging. Um, it, uh, it never, um, it's like in Western medicine, one theory can be quite dominant, like you mentioned, for a certain period of time. And then this is overturned uh, with more scientific discovery at a later date. And Ayurveda, their science is just slowly catching up with understanding why Ayurveda does the things they do. 
And in Ayurveda, they don't really uh, concern themselves with the whys because they didn't have microscopes and abilities to look at things at a cellular level thousands of years ago. They, they, they just know that, ah, for the vata type, it doesn't have uh, bowel movements, have five soaked prunes soaked in water two times a day, two hours after a meal. Now, you may think, what? What the heck? Uh, this is strange. Or wake up in the morning and have a piece of dried ginger with a little Himalayan sea salt and chew it un- and, and let it soak under your, sit under your tongue for 30 minutes in the morning. And, and, and Ayurveda doesn't really explain why. And they, they didn't really know why, I think. Only now science has started to catch up and understand uh, on a nutritional level, on a scientific level, why these things work. And, and many things are still not uh, proven. In the West, things have to be proven scientifically. In Ayurveda, they just know it works. Uh, you eat your five prunes soaked in water two hours after a meal, three times a day, you're pooping. Uh, and <laughs> whether it's because of the high potassium, the high magnesium, uh, the timing in between the meals, these factors uh, um, are not that uh, critical. These are, these are traditions and techniques and methods that have been passed down for thousands of years and are there because they, they work, um, not because they have to be completely understood. I remember in India in the 80s, uh, the, the teachers, they didn't like you to question too much the whys, because even sometimes they don't know the whys. And I know many foods, for example, I never understood why. For example, um, watermelon is not recommended for the dry, dehydrated person. But all the other melons are, honeydew and cantaloupe. They're very moist. They're not dry. You would think it should be perfect for somebody who's dry. But a science now has determined that watermelon is very much a diuretic. And if you drink one cup of watermelon juice, you will urinate two cups. So Ayurveda seemed to have known this thousands of years ago and uh, did not recommend watermelon for anybody who's dehydrated or the vata type who has a tendency towards uh, dehydration. They didn't say why. They just said it's not suitable for that type and that condition. Um, and Sometimes you just don't know why Ayurveda is thinking this. But uh, science is slowly approving uh, these uh, Ayurvedic uh, practices and techniques and understanding why uh, they, they work. Um, but, uh, and of course, as you practice longer and longer, you, you, can, you can come to a greater understanding of why. But there's still many things. I, I can't say why a particular treatment or practice works, but... It was taught to me, and I've given it to my patients, and it works. And, and it, sometimes there are treatments that I would never take or have never done because they're not suitable for my body type. Um, but the feedback from my clients is good, mm-hmm. and uh, it was taught to me, and uh, this is the way it just goes. And I will teach my son the same uh, method, and it's just uh, a fact to Ayurveda. You do this certain, uh, you drink warm milk with cardamom and cumin, and a little ginger at night, you will relax the nerves and sleep better. Maybe now Western medicine understands why, but again, Ayurveda was not that concerned about the why. Mm. Clearly, there must be a different legal system in uh, Ayurvedic practices. 
<clears throat> We're speaking with Kabir Southwick, a professional health consultant, an Ayurvedic and naturopathic practitioner. And Kabir, we're coming close to the end of the show. And as we uh, traditionally do, one of our long ancient traditions is to ask for a health tip from our guest. And I wonder if you have something for us. Oh, well, um, I always advocate a self-care, not looking outside yourself, whether it's to a, a medical doctor like yourself there, and I'll do regard there, Glenn, or myself, an Ayurvedic practitioner, but to uh, understand your own body, your own strengths and weaknesses, your own imbalances, and what uh, foods, herbs, and approaches work best for you. So you are, in a sense, maintaining your own vehicle, not dependent on going to an outside person looking for answers or a cure, but understanding your own body. So healthcare, self, not, not healthcare, but self-care, learning to care for yourself. And if I could add to that, I always try to encourage uh, my clients to think in terms of making progress with your health, uh, not perfection. In Ayurveda, there's mm. not so much, you know, oh, you're, you're, sick and now you're cured it's not that black and white it's a matter of continually making progress to improve your health on a, on a holistic level helping with all of the areas that i mentioned here uh, sleeping eating habits digestion uh, lifestyle habits uh, and all of these aspects that uh, can help improve your health and to continue to work on these so your health is uh, better and uh, not deteriorating. And uh, of course, this is uh, increasing your longevity. And that's the real purpose of Ayurveda is to, to live longer. And uh, so there's really no cure in that sense. There's only progress, improvement. I like that. Excellent health tip. I want to say to all of our listeners uh, that uh, Kabir Southwick has honored us with uh, agreeing to come on a few more times and talk about a number of other topics with us. So we will be seeing and hearing from Kabir over the next few months and talking about many of the other things he does. I know he, he takes people on tours of uh, food stores and talks about foods as they go through the aisles, teaching people many things about natural self-care. And so we're going to be talking with Kabir a number of times, and I look forward to that. In the meantime, we are grateful to our special guest, Kabir Southwick, for sharing his wisdom and expertise with us. I would also like to thank my teachers and healers for taking care of me and allowing me on my journey. Thank you to Yoga Hub and Christina and Segovia, and for all of you out there. And until next week, as we search another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy, I would like to wish you all optimal health. Thank you, Kabir. Thank you for having me today. It was a, a pleasure. Thank you so much, Kabir. This is really wonderful and educational, and we didn't quite get enough questions in there for you, so you might have to check the site for more. <laughs> I like questions. Wonderful. They're coming. <laughs> there wasn't enough time to squeeze them in. And, of course, I thank you so much. We look forward to having you back soon. Thank you for having me. And of course, we'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us in this new platform of education and information. We're always grateful for your continuous support and look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better.
We invite you to join us live on Tuesdays for Magical Medical Tour at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Wednesdays for Trinity of Life at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, followed every other week with Flowing into Awareness with Anatara. And of course, you can connect with our wonderful Dr. Glenn Woolman by following him on Twitter, at Glenn Woolman, and of course, through his own site, glennwoolman.com, where you can learn about his metaphor, square breath. And please connect with our special guest today, Kabir Southwick, at naturalhealingohi.com, naturalhealingohi.com. Again, we are so grateful for all your continuous support, and we look forward to hearing your feedback or suggestions. Give us a call at 818-LET'S-TALK, 818-LET'S-TALK. Until next time, namaste. YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. Come join Dr. Glenn Woolman and Christina Suzuma as they journey through the healthcare galaxy interviewing doctors, healthcare practitioners in the attempt to share ways to achieve optimal health. Join us on yogahub.tv every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. It brings you what you need when it wants and you kind of have to open yourself to it and a lot of times you know i just say it out loud and say you know this is what i would like to do but i don't i don't know you know and so a friend of mine um introduced me to it and i started going in the last three years so i've been overseas in the context of medical trips um to honduras panama and um uh, this last year i went to ghana